I thank the mission. We are blessed because they're second to none. Amen. Let's give God some praise. Thank you. Bless you. We are continuing on in our series. This is number 22. We are dealing out of 2 Corinthians 10, 3, verses through 5. I, I may not read all of it, but we're going to begin with this. And it reads as such in our hearing. For though we walk, live in the flesh, our soul realm, we are not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh, that is, the soul, the mind, using mere human weapons. And, and what Paul is trying to illustrate is this. Your battle is against the devil, who is spiritual, who has a demonic kingdom, a demonic army that is, is either trying to kill, steal, and destroy or impede our spiritual walk. So he, what, God, what, what, what Paul is saying, God saying through Paul, is whatever we bring in the natural can't fight, can't fight, doesn't work. He goes on to say, for the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty, say mighty, before God for the overthrow, for the destruction of strongholds in as much as we refute arguments, theories, reasoning, every proud and lawful thought that set itself up against the true knowledge of God. We lead every thought and purpose away captive into obedience of Christ. Amen. You can sit down. Father, even now, hide me behind your glory and give clarity of words, clarity of thought. Lord, make clear. Lord, make clear. Lord, make clear. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Allow me to recap a little bit because I've been gone for so long. The battle that we are fighting many times goes unnoticed. <laughs> Satan is so deceptive. He is so slick that, that he is engaging, seducing. He is allowing us to think thoughts that we think is our thoughts, but it's really his thoughts. We are even being seduced by our feelings and emotions. And many times, even as Christians, we are not aware that many of the things we say, we think, the way we reason 
is opposed to the word and nature of God. Uh, let me just throw one out here real quick, okay? Let me just throw one out here. Uh, many of us say, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Well, if you're saved by grace, you're no longer a sinner. You were saint. I was a sinner saved by grace, but since I'm saved now, I'm a saint of God that may sin sometime. But the core of my nature is not a sinner. I'm a saint. Do you know how important that is to get that right? Because if you keep on saying I'm a sinner by grace, you give yourself an excuse to sin. <laughs> no, you've been changed. You've been born again. The core of your spirit, you are saint, sanctified. You are a child of God. You got God's spiritual DNA. And now from that perspective, we ought to think, feel, and act. Hallelujah. <laughs> So, so there's a lot of things that when we read the word of God, which is living, which is active, it, it, it cuts us in our thinkings. It cuts us in our opinions. You know, I'm so glad God don't ask for our opinions. <laughs> I was, I'm so glad that, that, that God doesn't ask me my opinion give me options. If I really want to grow, if I really want to see God and be all that he wants us to be, we, we, it's not our opinions we go by. Paul is saying to the Corinthians, when I come, I'm coming with the word of God, and the word of God is powerful enough to bring all these elements in our human life under control. And Paul is saying that when I come, this is going to happen when I preach. Then what that tells me is that we have the ability. We have the power to not allow the devil to say just anything. Not to allow him to get away and, and make me think that we're in bondage. Listen, 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 listen. Our minds have to catch up with what God has already done in our spirit. It's already done in our spirit, but, but until we catch hold of it to the truth of God in his word, we, we can't walk in it. Can't walk in it. You can be saved and still in bondage. You can be saved, I mean really saved, but so wrapped up from things of the past, things of life, ah, family issues. Uh, I mean, I mean, come on now. We all been bruised. We all been heartbroken. We all been cut. See, too many times we come in here and try and impress one another. But if the truth be known, and y'all know I talk about where I came from. But y'all got a story too. 
And I'm so glad that we all got a story, which means that nobody is better than the other person, because we all came from somewhere. We all have done something. But God, in his grace, his mercy, and his love, looked past our faults and saw our knees and have chosen us, elected us, called us, and gave us his spirit. Somebody need to say thank you, Lord. Somebody need to say hallelujah. Somebody ought to give thanks because it's not based on us, it's based on him. So the battle for you and I is allowing the word of God to search our emotions, our thinking, our belief system, and we find something out of alignment with what God is saying, his word is saying, we have to make a deliberate, intentional choice to surrender. And listen, watch, watch. And sometimes, in myself, I can't do it. So I need to go find somebody that has been through what I'm going through. And they have overcome it. So I can hook up with them and walk with them to see that if God can do it for you, I know he can do it for me. Is there anybody in the house? I, I just, I just want to take a quick poll. Is there anybody in the house been delivered from something? Is there anybody in the house that don't do what you used to do? Is there anybody in the house you are more like Jesus today than you was a year ago? Is there anybody in the house your mouth don't say all the words you used to say? Is there anybody in the house there's been a change? That's the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God that is, that, that, that is molding us into the image an identity of Christ, our big brother. That's, that's God's purpose. That's God's purpose for you. That's God's purpose for me, that there will be such a evidence of Christ in us that it defies explanation other than Christ did it. Oh, let me, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, 3, 6, 10, and, 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 and this will help us. So every scripture, watch this, is the, the Greek is God breathed. God breathed. I double checked the Greek and, and I said, where is this Greek word used any other place? Is there any other occurrence where God there is no other occurrence where this happens in all of Scripture. This is unique. This is one of a kind. God went out of his way to 
put together his word so that there is a power. There, there, there is a dropping of the essence of who he is in it that when we read it in the spirit, when we read it searching for him, that, that the word of God and the Holy Spirit, it begins to, watch this, it goes on to say, it says, it says Hebrews chapter 4, it, says, it cuts between the spirit and the soul. Let me explain what that means. Our spirit and soul is so intertwined, it is hard to detect whether what we think and what we feel is it from the soul or is it from the spirit? Let me help you. Your spirit, if you're born again, your spirit been made alive. But your soul is being healed in process. <laughs> Which means then that if I walk in the spirit, I'm going to do, you're going to do what God leads us to do. But our soul can get in the way. And we find ourselves doing what the devil is propping us to do. It's like two dogs, twin dogs. Let me quit using the dog. I got another example. It's like Esau and Jacob, two twins who is fighting in their mother's womb. Matter of fact, scripture said that while she was having one, the other one reached up and grabbed the heel. <laughs> oh, you know what? That's an illustration of the battle within us. And I don't care how spiritual you are. It's a daily, sometimes all-day battle. And many of us, many times, we want to do better. We want to grow stronger. But that, that soul part of us reaches up and grabs us and pulls us back down. I, I come today to let you know that God has called out like he called out to Lazarus when Lazarus got up and he was wrapped up in dead things and he told the people, loose him and let him go. I'm saying to you today that God is saying to all of us, my purpose for you is not to always be entangled in the recesses of your mind, but he came that we may live life more abundantly and there is freedom. There is deliverance. There is healing. There is when you're not wearing that stuff anymore. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. I, I know he's talking to the Midianites, but I know he's talking to Israel, but this is a spiritual verse. And what he says in that verse, he says, the time will come as you grow in the spirit that your spirit will get so fat. Y'all didn't hear that. I didn't say body. He said your spirit 
we get so fat. Because as soon as I said fat, some of y'all frowned at me. No, your spirit <laughs> will get so fat. That it will break the yoke that is upon your neck. I've worked with people, I've counseled people, and I have given them scriptures for specific ailments, specific things that they were going. And I tell them, keep working it. Keep speaking it. Keep feeding yourself. Because right now, what is wrong is your experience of the past is stronger than your experience in Christ. And you believe your past experience more than you believe the word of God. We are in transition, my brothers and sisters. That's why he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. But tasting takes action. Tasting takes work. You, you, you and I have to open up our own mouth. We have got to put whatever it is in our mouth and we got to keep chewing on it and swallow it and digest it in order to see how good it is. You, you can't tell me how good it is until you taste it. Some of us are not tasting enough of what God has laid on our table to know how good he is. If you taste it, you will discover that he's good all the time. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It is for Jewish people of ancient times, it was unheard of for them to pray in silence. They, when they read the word, or quoted the word, they, they kept it on their lips. They worked the mouth gate and the ear gate together. God says to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, he said, don't let it leave your lips, Joshua. Keep it in your mouth. And if you keep it in your mouth, it will bring you good success. Don't turn to the right of it. Don't turn to the left of it. Well, how do you do that? You keep it before you by keep speaking the word of God that I have given you until something happens. If you keep it there, it builds your faith. Once you build your faith, you can perceive it. Somebody said, what you mean I can perceive it? Are you saying I can see it with my eyes? You can see it with your spiritual eyes. I bet you any amount of money that the children of Israel, as they are walking around, the wall of Jericho. And they wasn't supposed to say nothing because he didn't want complaining to start up. But they kept on hearing the trumpets of praise. The Ark of the Covenant was something like 200, two, like two football fields away from them so everyone could see it. And they were walking behind the presence of God. And they kept on hearing. They 
was blowing the victory before the victory had already come. Listen, listen. For seven days, they walked around. And folks inside of Jericho probably thought they was crazy. I'm sure some of them walking thought they was crazy. But they kept on doing it. And somewhere between the first day and the seventh day, and on the seventh day, they walked around seven times. Faith got a hold of them. And Joshua said, shout now. And when they shouted, and then Hebrews said, by faith, the walls of Jericho came down. Sometimes we got to shout before we see anything. There's some things I know in my spirit. And if I told you what I knew in my spirit, you think that I'm crazy. But there's some secret promises. There's some visions. There's some truths that God has given you that God spoke it to you and it haven't came to pass yet. There's sometimes you can't share it with people that don't got no vision. My question is, are you a person of vision? We ought to see us ahead of us, better than us. We ought to see ourselves walking in God beyond where we are. Well, my brother, the soul says, I want to stay right here. But God says, I want you to move. It's uncomfortable. It don't feel good. You might have to cry sometimes. But I declare, the closer you get with Jesus, the better you recognize he is. Somebody ought to shout on that. Somebody ought to say amen to that. Somebody say, I know what you're talking about, preacher. See, I believe that many times the troubles we go through many times is to make us sit down, be quiet, and know that the Lord is good. Sometimes he says, be still. Just be still. Don't do nothing and just know. That knowing is an intimacy, which means that in it, you can't be looking around. You got to be looking up. Yes, sir. Rabboni, that's the, that's, that's, that's the word Mara and I uh, used for our Israel teacher, Pastor Dennis, when we went to Israel. He's really an Israelite. <laughs> Because when he gets to Israel, he's on a whole nother level. But he said that they would, with the children, while they reading the Hebrew text, they would put honey on the pages. And as they would run their fingers across the pages, they would taste and see (laughs) that the Lord is good. Hold on. I got, a, I, got a, I got a suspicion. I got a suspicion that God puts spiritual honey <laughs> on his word that the more 
you read it, believe it, say it, that you begin to see that the Lord is good. Is there anybody else that have experienced that for themselves? And you can say that the Lord is good, that, that you're not reading it just to get information, but somehow he shows up. Somehow, you don't have to be reading the word, but the word will come back and rise up in your spirit. And God will explain to you what that verse was talking about. You'll be going through something and a verse will come up. You say, oh, that's what this is. Thank you for your word. I'm so glad we have an interactive God. I remember me and my son, when he was smaller, used to play on the Xbox and all that. And they started coming out with these games that will respond to the choices you make. If you walk through a certain door, you go through certain fights and everything. But if you go through another door, it's a totally different fight. God is interactive. He will interact with the choices we make. At some point, we ought to get tired. We ought to get fed up with planting bad seeds. At some point, we ought to quit complaining when you got to eat the fruit of the seeds you planted. At some point, we ought to get to the place say, uh-uh, I know better. If, if I want to go through anything, it's not going to be from the seeds I planted. I choose to plant good seeds. I choose to do it God's way. And I'm going to wait till either God makes a way out of nowhere, but I leave the end result in God's hand. There's something about when you're walking with God. You have to deal with the fear with the doubts, with the insecurities. Why? Because God will give you a peace. That is beyond all peace. God, God, God will give you peace in the midst of the unbelievable, amazing, how God will keep you, how God will hold you, how God will talk to you without changing your circumstance. Oh, okay, I got 15 minutes left. Let me show this. I never saw this before like this. Here Jesus is, and he, in John chapter 11, his friend Lazarus have died, and they are going through the grieving process. Sometimes God will allow you to experience valley low in order to take you to mountain high. <laughs> I believe you can't enjoy the highs until you have experienced the lows. I believe you really can't see God at his best until you experience the devil at his worst. I believe that you really can't see God's glory until it get pitch black. But, 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 but hold on. Here they are grieving. Matter of fact, he waited four days because Jewish 
thinking was the spirit may hang around three days. So he wanted them to know for sure that Lazarus was not just dead, he was dead dead. Now, what's the difference? I don't know, but he was dead dead. <laughs> so, so he comes and they're running to him. Martha, if you would have been here and there's some error of doubt, there's some error of disappointment. You know we've been disappointed before. You know it don't always work out the way we thought it was going to work out. You know we have had an expectation on the table and God had another plan. And he don't always show you what that plan is. And then he make you wait on it. <laughs> then he make you wait on it. And there's some, there's some, there's some, there's some trusting God. There's some pouring out of the soul during their times. There's some getting real with him so he can get real with us. Comes to the place where, where he said, now, I could make the rock move. I could call him through the rock. But there's enough of you to move the rock. God wants us to do what we're supposed to do. He's a miracle-working God. But he don't want us to suppose on him and take him for granted. So they moved the rock, and he prayed to the Lord, you always hear me. I'm not really praying for my sake. I'm praying for their sake, that they know that this is between you and me. He calls Lazarus by name. That was amazing to me. He could have called him through the grave clothes, but he called him still bound up. Now, this is not resurrection because Jesus was resurrected, which means he was resurrected new. This was, he was brought back to life because he was going to die again. Hold on. Now, hold on. He comes and he's. Now, can you imagine how scared he was hearing something go? My question is this, why is it Jesus did not bring him up through the dead cloth? He could have. It wouldn't take nothing but a word. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Why doesn't he save us and completely deliver us all at once. He could, but he don't in most cases. He tells the people, you lose him and let him go. This blew up in me when I read this. And what I believe the Spirit of God said to me, he said, I want the church to play a part in the spiritual growth of one another. I want you in community, in family, 
to experience me together. I want y'all to encourage, provoke, and love one another. That's why he says in Hebrews chapter 10, he said, forsake not the assembly of yourselves together. No, no, hold on. And we missed it. He said, he said, to provoke and love one. He said, especially as the day comes. And what he's saying is, time's going to get rough. The battle's going to get harder. He says, it, it, there, there's not enough strength in you by yourself to untangle you from the entanglements of the world. He said, he don't make long ranger Christians. And watch it, things are not going to get better in the world system. Amen. Don't you know this is war? This is battle? And the devil know that his time is short. So guess what? When we come in here, there will be some loving on one another. There will be some encouraging on one another. Shame on us if we come in here to talk about one another. Let me tell you, a dog that will gossip a bone to you will leave with a bone about you. We, 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 are, we, are, we are in this thing together. Now, now, hold on. He's wrapped up. He's tangled up in dead clothes. But when the people that are free, they started to unwrap him, to untangle him so that he could walk in more freedom every Sunday. You ought to be asking God, Lord, who can I encourage? Who can I speak love to? Who can I love for? Because I've been where they are. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We need some ex-drunks helping other drunks. We need some ex-addicts encouraging some addicts. We need some ex-tore-down to the ground. Hold on, they do it in the bar. Oh, yes, they do. I buy a drink for everybody. We ought to buy a drink for everybody in the house of God. Boy. Boy. If we was to get this right, People would quit calling people in the church hypocrites. I would rather be with church hypocrites than world hypocrites any day. Because at least I know you a saved hypocrite. Psalms 133, amazing this Psalms, amazing this Psalms. He said, oh, how blessed 
It is when the brethren, when the assembly get together. He says, he says, when they get together, it is like the anointing, like the oil that when Aaron was anointed priest by, by Moses, he took enough oil in a, in a ram's horn that it said it flowed from his beard, from his face, all the way down the robe, all the way down to the edge of his robe. He said, when there's unity in the house, when there's oneness in the house, when there's love in the house, it enacts the Holy Spirit. It releases the Holy Spirit that is the symbol of the oil. And there's an anointing that is released on the body because we understand that it's all about Jesus. He knows your struggles. He knows your heartache. He knows your pain. And instead of keeping it by yourself, to yourself, and going farther in depression, he said, but when you come to my house with an expectation. Oh, shut your mouth. One of the problems is we don't expect nothing. When you don't expect nothing, you don't get nothing. Amen. There's somebody sitting here right now. Every word I said went over their head. You know what? They didn't have no expectation. You got to reach up. You got to, by faith, you got to reach up. And you got to catch up. You got to open up your wings and soar in what God is saying. You, you got to get to the place that you, you come to trust and the, the closer I get, I'm getting excited. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. I didn't feel good, but I don't care. Afterwards, I'm going to feel better. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. I'm going to catch something today because yeah. I know that God is throwing out blessings. Yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on. If, if I told you next Sunday, God's going to throw out blessings. You know what that's ah! What type of blessing? But he's throwing blessings out every Sunday. But did you come to get yours? Look what he said. He said, he said that the anointing, he said, it's like the, the mountain of Hermon. The Mount of Hermon is the highest mountain in Israel. Israel is mostly desert, but, but Hermon is, 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 is overflowing with vegetation, with greenery in the desert. It, it's not about its location. It's about how high it reaches. Oh, let me explain that. I know I'm almost out of time. It, it reaches up to the place where it has a snow cap. Because the higher the, the height, the colder 
It is. Uh, hold on. So you mean to tell me that my blessing depends on the height of my praise? The height of my worship? The height of my faith? The height how much I'm willing to reach up and bless his name? Hallelujah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Listen, the other ones are low mountains. This is a high mountain. So what happens is because it reaches high, the cloud comes down in the morning and it meets dew point. Somebody said, what's dew point? Dew point is when the moisture in the cloud meets the humility in the air and it can't help but drop off some blessings. So every morning, when you go to the mountain, yeah. it's wet. <laughs> Hasn't rained, but it's wet. Because it reaches so high, and the coldness creates a cloud upon that mountain. And, and the humidity in the air meets the cloud that when you touch it, it's wet. I wonder, do we have any wet Christians in the house? <laughs> I wonder, have, have you praised him enough? Trust him enough? So, sometimes you, you got to forget how you feel. For, forget what you're going through. For, forget your situation. And say, I might as well praise you. I might as well exalt you. I know it seems like that. Nothing I got is working, but so I'm gonna turn my eyes to the hill which cometh my help, cause my help, my strength, my blessing, my power, my peace, my joy coming from you. So the day Lord, I set my eyes on you. Hold on, hold on. And before anything happened, Thank you. Yes, I worship you. I praise you. I lift you. I bless your name. I bless your name. I'm going to sing to you. I'm going to dance for you. Whatever it takes is all about. Yes, I believe God says, you're going to worship me like that? You're going to believe me when they don't feel good? You're going to look past your situation and you're going to make a choice to see me? I believe that provokes God. Amen. Yes. My son, thank you, Daddy, yes, sir. for my birthday party. He didn't know nothing about a birthday party. Thank you, Daddy. He didn't know when his birthday was. Thank you. And it was sinful how many toys I bought for him. But he provoked me. <laughs> my question is, do you trust your Heavenly Father like that? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. 
The second question is, are you willing to unravel the dead stuff in somebody else's life? Because at one time you was wrapped up in more dead stuff. Third thing, I have to identify, you have to identify the dead stuff. That which doesn't look like Christ is not his talk, is not his word, is not his attitude. And recognize that's dead stuff. Me as being alive, that doesn't belong on me no more. That's not you. That's not me. We got to quit claiming stuff that's not us no more. How dare we? Elijah said, Lord, forgive me for the words of my mouth because I spoke things that was not like you. I said things that everybody say, but it's not you. Lord, order my words. Lord, order my heart. Lord, order my soul. That you may live your life through us. Somebody here, you may not know the Lord Jesus Christ. I got preachers there that want to pray with you. And I want to say this. Please get saved. If you're not saved,